How does climate change make you feel? Climate change is incredibly worrisome. But there's a chance that we can all unite together and change it. Then I think it will make for a better world. It makes me feel unproud to be a human being. Because humans are destroying the earth. How does climate change make you feel? It makes me feel sad because I like to ski and the snow is all going to be gone pretty soon. So how does climate change make you feel about the future? Um, honestly, not too great just because like we're doing like so many bad things to the planet that it's just just climate change and literally everything in nature is just getting worse and we're not really doing anything to stop it so mm-hmm. like we're just like causing our end basically how does climate change make you feel about the future uh scared that there won't be one <laughs> um and that the people who are in charge and in power and have the power to do stuff about it just aren't and they just don't care because they're not going to be here for the end of it how does climate change make you feel about the future oh definitely scared just um planning for the future like i talk about like wanting to have kids and then it's like why bring them into the world if they're going to have to deal with the crap that's going to come? And I just feel super bad about that. And then again, what Jillian was saying, that people who are aware of, they have the, truly, they have power to, like, make change, and they just sit there and don't, and they call it a hoax. And it's just ridiculous. Cool. <laughs> How does climate change make you feel about the future? It makes me feel like my kids won't have a future. How does climate change make you feel about the future? Um, it makes me nervous because I feel like in a few years, things that make the world beautiful aren't going to be here. How does climate change make you feel about the future? Uh, I think climate change, um, I think there's a lot of climate solutions that are out there right now. And it makes me pretty frustrated when um, the solutions are, a lot of them exist, but the collaboration of pol- political and uh, business and um, NGO support just isn't isn't there. Um. Climate change makes me really anxious, but it also makes me get really fired up. Um, I think that there's a lot of hope for the future, um, and seeing the amount of opportunities that renewable energy brings and whatnot, uh, and the youth climate movement definitely makes me hopeful. Unfortunately, it makes me feel very unhopeful, and I'm very, very scared. To the point where I feel like there isn't a future for a few generations down the line if we don't, like, take action, whether that's nationally, uh, globally. Oh, man. I don't know. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, climate change, uh, the youth, and the anxiety that our generation and the generation immediately below us are being forced into having um, due to the impending climate catastrophe and the language around it. So, 
in coming up with this episode today, uh, I got the idea for this from an article that, Abby, you sent to me from the Washington Post uh, titled The Environmental Burden of Generation Z. Um, and it's a pretty lengthy article, um, but it really kind of punches you in the gut when you think about this. Abs, can you tell me what your thoughts are on this article? Yeah. Um, I think it really touches on, like, I think when you often we discuss eco-anxiety as it's been sort of coined or climate anxiety, um, we don't really think about it as, like, a real medical thing. Obviously, it's not... um, a anxiety disorder yet but this article really goes into sort of like the the public health crisis that is this extra stress that's been placed on our generations and it's not just like a stress um i think it's more than that um i think you can see parallels in the past i guess with big wars or things like that in other generations but it's really just such a large issue um and then something else i thought was interesting about it is that you know mental health professionals and our parents generation are like forced to deal with this as their children face these issues but i i think what's challenging is they don't often see it as as a large of a thing as we do so they don't really understand the stress that is placed on um the youth around this issue. So an interesting, uh, when I was going through the article, I pulled out a couple of quotes, uh, a couple of excerpts that I thought were particularly interesting. And you said that the only thing that we can compare this to historically is past wars. Uh, And I thought there was a really interesting quote from a Michael Schellenberger uh, about how he was comparing it to the uh, nuclear threat when he was Mm -hmm. a kid. And he said that today, some of the environmental movement are making climate change like the new apocalypse. Um, We've talked a lot in the past about language and communication and the way that we talk about environmental issues and stuff. And I think that this is something that uh, definitely over the past decade, uh, we've seen more of with writings from people like David Wallace Wells with the uninhabitable earth uh, Elizabeth Colbert's The Sixth Extinction. Um, We're seeing more and more of this doom and gloom type narrative. Um, And like you said, it's super interesting because it's difficult for people older than our generation to relate to it in a certain way because they're not the ones who are being exposed to it and going to be directly affected by it. Right. I I, I feel like sometimes they... So, you know, there's a lot of conversations, like, especially in the communication field, about how to talk about climate change as to not exhaust people into inaction. Um, but at the same time, we've been downplaying it for so long, and it already is life or death for lots of people globally, and it's going to be life or death. So it's difficult when people talk about it and they're like, oh, you shouldn't... Um, you shouldn't make it out to this apocalyptic, you know, dramatic situation. But at the end of the day, like it really is, we're, we're talking about 
extinction, you know? So, like, these big ideas that are really scary should be scary. Um, Sorry, I needed water. I mean... Something we are soon running out of. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I think um, the youth at the forefront who are putting the messaging that this is an emergency or like, you know, those are, this is our future. Mm -hmm. Like this is our lives. And that's where a lot of this comes from. It's like, we, I mean, I want to have kids. Do I want to have kids if the Mm -hmm. world is on fire? No. That was also brought up in the article. There's been people, uh, of course, uh, youth activists like Greta Thunberg, but also, uh, the, youth-led Sunrise Movement, which was founded in 2017, uh, which has been placing young people on the front lines for the fight to achieve a Green New Deal. Um, And it's like, we've talked about this before, the video of the group of kids visiting Senator Dianne Feinstein's office in California and pleading for their lives, basically, pleading that politicians, that somebody take action to solve the crisis. it we, we can play the video i'll insert it here um but that just breaks your heart right and i well, i also like i re- was on instagram and like asking people what how they felt about this and a lot of the responses were like powerless hopeless mm-hmm. um and when you have you know these kinds of anxiety disorders a lot of times like those are the feelings that you do get from you know regular anxiety is powerless and hopelessness but like those those emotions are being placed on us in a way because you know we don't we genuinely do not have control over this situation because we don't have power Mm -hmm. uh there was another quote in the article um just to tie up that article Uh, where they were talking about how a lot of young people, when they're feeling this paralysis, they're brought towards two directions. They're brought towards the, there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to pay attention to it. I'm going to just run away from it. Or they're pulled towards the other extreme, where it's just doing all that work and just always worrying about it and trying to always do something and never quite feeling comfortable or safe uh, in it. Um, and for me, as, as a self-proclaimed young person, I'd like to believe <laughs> the gray patch in my beard would beg to differ. <laughs> it, uh, it really sucks to feel like the only option that I have is to like fight and work all the time to try to solve the problem. Like most young people and myself included would want to be spending their time relaxing. Like I want to be laying in bed, watching Netflix or playing that, guitar. Like, just not even just. Like enjoying our our world youth and like this time that we have um and y'all can probably speak to this too but I know Charles and I have had this conversation where I was like I looked at him once and I was like how many times a day do you think about climate change because I I realized that I probably like it pops into my brain if not once an hour maybe on a good day every other hour sometimes more than that like 
if I'm sitting in a class where it's a whole hour and a half of just thinking about climate change, but like it, it occurs in my mind, like the thought of it almost constantly. Like I'm almost constantly thinking about climate change. Yeah. I'm right there with you. It's, it's something that, and going back to like our previous conversations with it, it, it's something that's like, it's like a pressure that's like on my chest like a giant weight and i we i've realized that it, it's kind of permeated all of my decisions about my life that i make it permeates like my job choices like what i went to school for it permeates like all these things that like i feel bad if i drink a certain thing or yeah. eat something wrong like i and it's something that is quite like it shouldn't be there D- do you feel a similar way Ramo? To be honest, before I came here, I did feel a bit of anxiety, just in general, just throwing it out there. But um, before you came to school or before you came to record this episode, before I came here to record the episode, um, all right. So I know you talked about that. There's two ends of the spectrum of whether like you either ignore it, don't do anything because the problem is too big, or you try to do everything that you can and constantly think about it. And I feel like those two pathways are a little bit unhealthy to me because if you're constantly stressing about something, then that's, I think that's worse than like doing nothing because if you're doing nothing, then you have, I don't know. I feel like you would have less climate anxiety. I'm not sure, but I feel like you could also phrase that as in like, I was saying the if anxiety you, causes those right, two right. things. You could, I guess you could also put in perspective, like if you had like 10 years to live, like you knew you had 10 years to live, like would you do <coughs> everything you can to avert it or would you live your life? I don't think that's a very good um, metaphor though, because like with climate change, I think the, the scariest thing about it is we know that if humanity came together, we could change it. Like it's something we could change. I think the scariest part about it is that we know that humanity probably won't. Right. Um, but like, I, I think the 10 year thing is like back in October, the IPCC report said that we have 12 years to fix it, to, to avoid the worst case scenario. Um, and is that what you're trying to go for? Like, yeah. that's the oh, 10 gotcha. years. Like, in, yeah. in the media and the messaging, it's like, that's constantly being thrown at us. Like, I hear you. the IPCC, these scientists say, there's 10 years to avoid catastrophe. Um, right, and something I feel like I hear from adults in my life really frequently is like, and you're the generation who's going to save us. Oh, my God. And I'm God. like, oh. screw off, first <laughs> of all. like, Why couldn't you... And also, I mean, it's like, how dare you place that on us? Like, that's genuinely, I will be like, you're the gen, you give us hope. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't really feel super hopeful right now. And like, yeah, like we're working our butts off to figure this stuff out. But like, we need your support. And I don't always feel like we have that. And like, we can have, like, there's definitely debates about like, what's, like the the 
uh, best like mental health strategy. Like obviously thinking about climate change 15 times a day is not good for your mental health. Like that's, that's not going to be good. But I mean, I think that for a lot of people, like the reality is that you can't avoid it. You know, it's not, it's a non-avoidable issue that is constantly occurring in your life. Uh, Alyssa, when you said that, like, in those 10 years that humanity has a chance if they bound together, like, try to solve the problem, I think um, the problem with anxiety is that it makes you feel alone and, like, isolated. So people going through, like, climate anxiety and constantly thinking about climate change have, like, little doubt in that kind of, like, you know, that unity. and. It sucks yeah. <laughs> because there's definitely people that want to make a change, yeah. but sometimes whether it's because of the systems that it be or because of actual just, you know, just regular anxiety about the future. <coughs> Do you just... guys think, sorry, no. No, that's it. I don't know where Do I guys... going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys feel like, I mean, I think that more and more we're talking about mental health, um, and it's that's super positive and like we're breaking down stigmas and having conversations about it and i think that is because there's like these pending issues that are upon us there's like you know the increase of shootings and climate change and all of these like really big issues that are sort of like forcing those conversations to be had do you think that there's like some positives to that that we're like having larger conversations about mental health i feel like any conversation about mental health is a big positive Mm -hmm. right uh i don't know where i was going with that um (laughs) yeah you're right though like for sure i i i think I don't know if this like answers the mental health thing because I don't really I don't really know how like I agree like having a conversation about like the way that we interact with it is super important because if we're going to solve any problem we need to ensure that like we're working at we're working optimally yeah. and efficiently like which sounds weird and, right, not, capitalist. and like <laughs> sounds capitalist but like we need to make sure that we're doing what we can and I think that Yours like is low-key a capitalist. I I, I Oh y'all! Sorry, sorry. Finish your sentence. I, I I can't help but identify things in the system that I was born into, um, <laughs> but I think it's important that we be aware that we are young adults. Like for for the generation that we're talking about, that's really facing this anxiety. Like we're we're on the older end of it. Like we're going to be the ones that are leading the charge for about a decade worth of youth behind us that are going to take up what we start here. And I think right now there's like a debate in like schools and stuff about like who's on the front lines of ensuring that like all these young kids, like these children, I'm going to say like people that are like 15 and under, who's going to make sure that they are one, not feeling that sense of aloneness, um, Two, not feeling that sense of like powerlessness and being stuck, that paralysis. And three, like who's going to like orient them to be like towards solutions? Like, because 
we're, we're pretty close with a lot of solutions. Like renewable energy c- costs have gone down and stuff. Um, but it, we need to ensure that like when we have kids, like the parents of right now for babies, like are having these conversations with them, having tough conversations and ensuring that these conversations are one, not like sheltering them and protecting them from the science, but two, not like imposing unnecessary fear into them. Like incorporating the solutions in these conversations is super important. Yeah. I Just, think and like equipping parents ahead, and teachers Alyssa. to do that is my point. I just feel like um I agree with you that like that's probably what needs to be done, but I just feel like it's almost installing a, a correct, you know, amount of fear. I feel like it's almost impossible because climate change mm-hmm. is such an, an ultimately terrifying thing. Like mm-hmm. you're talking about an existential threat, you know, to humanity. Mm-hmm. Um like it is terrifying. It's just, you know, it's it's so hard not to freeze up in the face of that terror. So uh, yeah, I, I worry about like you know, I have a little sister that just entered into college. Um, and I even kids like younger than that, like I wonder how they're going to be able to face the fear of the changing climate along with all the other instability that brings. Right. And I think that another challenge is that, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with regular depression or anxiety disorders, um, which is like, on the upsurge, um, a lot of the, the things that you have to work through is like feeling hopeful, um, even when things are dark. Um, and it's really, really difficult to feel hopeful when you're not seeing action. And I think that there are people who are in charge who need to take like a lot of responsibility for the fact that they aren't implementing those solutions because if they were, then there would be, you know, hopefulness to like really to base some of that off of, but you're not, I mean, kids are smart, like yeah, below 10 years old, like you, they know what's going on. They're not dummies. Like you, you're not going to lie to them and say like, yeah, everything's going to be fine. I mean, you, yeah, you're going to say that they're 10, um, but like you have to be real with them about like what the, the effects might actually be and I think that if we had more like really positive solutions happening that we could point to and be like but but we're working on it then it would be different but it's really really challenging to do that when right now in particular there's so few solutions to point to to be like but we're working on it and also the fact that climate change is going to bring a whole new level of instability to uh, kids' lives. We already see that with, like, wildfires and hurricanes and all types of natural disasters that that those will add an additional level of stress to um, everyday lives, of particularly of kids. I think it's also important to know that, like, we live in, like, Humanity as a whole has lived in an extremely dark world. Like we've How gone, so? we've gone through, like humanity, like just as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone through so many empires, like being destroyed. Um, the Black Plague. Like we went, we've went through like two world wars that we thought would end the world. 
uh, the Cold War, there's the Great Depression. And it just seems like that we're always somehow on the brink of like this extinction or just this great calamity that could destroy millions of lives. And if it's if it's not fending for survival, then it's like fear of technology or us destroying ourselves. So what I'm trying to say is that we have always been in, I feel like we've always been close to the end. The end. Yeah. And I think that that can be like a way to it's an interesting help young commentary. people look at like, like good, the, interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that like that can be a way. I mean, the thing that we, that experts are talking about is like emphasizing solutions. And I was just being super pessimistic about that, but I mean, <laughs> there are constantly like, you know, new technologies and stuff. I'm going to like get into my sociology class right now, but like there are new and developing things that we can say, like we've, you know, we've been here before, but that doesn't mean we don't need to be doing everything to (laughs) be fighting for that. From some of the research that I did, it was also, um, I, I noticed a lot that it, uh, from the articles about like how to talk to your kids about climate, um, a lot of it focuses on like emphasizing personal things you can do, like going vegan or like uh, using less plastic bags, like individual actions, which is something that we've talked about a lot on this show because we have talked about we've criticized individual actions because they don't always hit the root cause of problems. Like sis- climate change is a huge systemic issue. Um, but the idea behind it, which I found interesting, um, since it's funny that you brought up sociology is the idea of like bringing back agency. Um, humans inherently feel this sense of, um, helplessness if they don't feel like they're in control of some aspect of their life. And we've seen this historically with like other groups of people and other part other calamities and stuff that like anxiety suicide rates and like a whole slew of mental health issues has increased when people have lost that feeling of agency so it's just some interesting to note about that yeah no i definitely like when we criticize individual action i think what it's important to note is that like (coughs) you should still be trying to be the best you can be for your environment and I I think that I feel the most hopeful when I am either involved in an organization or doing hands-on work that is making a difference and like a tangible difference that I can see whether that be like my work in policy or my work in like my clubs where I'm literally building something um so I think that's important and essential um but again like we shouldn't downplay things just so that kids you know like just to shield children because it'll be worse when they figure out that that's not actually the truth and that adults aren't actually protecting them a question that i have for all of you um that i've been 
thinking about doing this the research for this episode is um climate change is such a intersectional issue and it affects so many different people particularly like marginalized frontline communities um do you think that and this is like the optimist in me do you think that like if we as a young generation and like the generation underneath us solve climate change our society will have improved as a whole do you think compassion will increase among us what do you view as solving climate change like stopping <laughs> warming stopping our extinction as a species i think that a lot of our solutions are only going to work if they have those communities on the front lines if they have like equity in mind if there is a decrease in the um what is the word I'm looking for? The gap between people. Inequality. Inequality. Thank you. Um, if like there's a de- decrease in inequality, I-, I think that like those are the only ways that we're going to solve this. So, yes, but I'm I I don't know. I I'm not I'm not like sold that like it's gonna be like oh we fixed the world and we like put a band-aid on it and like we all like each other now and like there's no more poverty it's great you know there's no more racism or poverty i just i just had a like a weird thought so like you know climate change deniers yeah so what if hypothetically that climate change was averted right what if and then we're all celebrating but what if there's like another group called like climate solution deniers that are like, see, we're still here, but it's not because of what you did. Oh, oh I'm sure. Oh, that's it's so like disappointing. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> oh, that's so disappointing. Right? It's like, yeah, we did it. But then some other group is just like, yeah, we're still here, but it's not because of you. It's, it's like the people who believe that the moon landing was faked. Yeah. Was it faked? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I feel like we have alluded to on every single statement. I mean, not every single episode that somehow the moon landing is fake. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like we talked about that before. That are birds are fake. <laughs> we definitely Maybe have. someone here knows something that, like, the other Well, I mean, we do know. There, there is a couple of sets of facts that we do know. One of them is that Wyoming is not real. There is only West Dakota. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's true. And Look on a map. the birds work for the bourgeoisie. And they're built in West Dakota. I see. Pigeons. Can't trust them. Can't trust a pigeon. I have a question for everyone. Oh, oh God, I hope I have an answer. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Hot quiz. No, it's okay. Okay. Um, is, it, is it okay if the human race does not survive? <laughs> oh, no. Okay. I mean, it's good for planet Earth. Like, we're a disease, brother. Okay, I've but... thought about this a lot, actually. Yeah, we're I, like an invasive species. I did a, we, I did, <laughs> yes, exactly. We are an invasive species. I did a Gary Kroll question. That really is. That's like kind of question but, that like makes your brain pop out of your skull. I mean, I think that'll only worsen climate anxiety if we say that. Yeah, uh, but we're laughing about it, so it's okay, right? <laughs> this is a hypothetical, right? This yeah. is some okay. Gen Z. Some Gen Z laughter. We are Gen Nihilistic Z. laughter. We are Gen Z, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. okay. I'm going to... You're going to start? Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. 
I think that our generation jokes so much about like death about death <laughs> because of this as like a coping mechanism. I oh, think for that, sure. I think that there's there's a really good meme that I've had on my phone for a long time, and it's like Ash Ketchum throwing a po- it's like two people throwing pokeballs at each other, and it's. Uh, one of them's like a pro-life boomer saying, what if your mom aborted you? Yes. And then the other guy's throwing the Pokeball back saying, I wish she did. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that shit gets me. me yeah. And I, I'll put the, I'll link to that meme in the show notes. Um, but, and I feel like that horrified like older people. Oh, it terrifies know? them. But the thing There's is, so is many that, TikToks about this, y'all. Yeah. But the thing is, is that we have, I think we've grown up with this idea because of this anxiety before we even knew what it was. The world has been ending since we were born. Exactly. We have never well, existed in a world that wasn't... Back to what Ramel was saying. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but this is a really long way for me to say that our species, the only reason that I think we it would not be okay if we're gone is because I am a member of the species. As a also, human, I believe that, and this is a complete arrogance and he, like my hubris is just like, I would like to stay alive. That would be cool. And I'd like my kids to stay alive. That'd be lit. Thank you for I, coming to my TED talk. I feel like, all right, humans suck as a whole, but like also like <laughs> humans are cool as hell Amen. sometimes. So like, like we do cool, like art and all this science we've figured out, like yeah, no, we're not great, but like we're cool as hell and I would like us to stay. However, it would probably be really good for the earth if we did not stay. So when you say good, yeah, that would be the question. Good for who? Good for the or- earth or like No, I said it, it, <clears throat> my question wasn't would it be good if humans didn't exist? It was more like would you be okay? If humans no longer existed. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'd be okay. And I've talked to other people about this. um, But like, you know, I get, I get really, really sad about, you know, we're, we're going through the sixth mass, mass, my lisp, mass extinction right now. And like that, that really bumps me out. You know, I think about like the redwoods, which is my favorite area I've ever been to and how they're on fire a ton of the time. And then um, I actually looked into this article about all these earth scientists and really high rates of like depression and anxiety in them because these areas that they've been studying and like these creatures they've been studying for all their lives are disappearing. And it's creating this really unique like mental atmosphere. Um, and anyway, I'm getting off topic, but long story short, like I personally- no, that's, that's, okay that's on topic. It. What's it yeah. creating with them? Well, it's just like, like I said, kind of just like intense feelings of depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. hopelessness, all the things that we've been um, talking about. But it's just rough because it's their job. Oh, and the other really interesting thing was they have an intense social kind of anxiety because of uh, mm-hmm. um, social feelings about climate change. So like not only do they constantly feel like they have to defend their job, they constantly do feel like, feel like they have to defend their stance and just like their per- personhood from people that don't believe that they're facing the threat of climate change. Like, can you yeah. imagine going through the grief of like losing? Um, I know like a lot of EPA people lost their jobs. Can you imagine going through the grief of that? And then you have to like go to a family dinner and they're like, oh, well, climate change isn't happening anyway. Like you can just go get a job with an oil company or something. I um, 
which my dad has told me to do. So like R.I.P. Yeah, it just sucks. I wrote part Let's of become my petroleum engineers. College. Hell yeah. <laughs> I wrote part of my college essay on that actually. Um, oh really? When I was yeah, when I was in high school, I I volunteered for the Park Service, and um, my last summer there, there were, I mean they're still there, but the interns I was working with specifically were doing um, invasive beetle studies. So there's yeah. like an invasive species of southern pine beetle on Long Island that mm-hmm. wiped out a ton of our pine trees. Um, they've got it like pretty well under control now, but at the time it was like really scary and they're pretty sure that they moved up north from the south because of climate change. Um, and on like one of my last days of the summer, uh, we had like thought that they were pretty under control and then uh, we walked into like a patch and realized that they had like totally taken over this other part of the forest oh, and no. it's like an area that you know beach that I grew up in forests that I like played in and I was literally spent the whole afternoon like we stayed late literally just tying trees with like markers to be because the only way to deal with them is to clear cut trees right so we marked like 50 trees to be cut down and you know, I was just like, well, fuck, you know, like yeah. this is, and then you have to like justify like, oh, I- I'm going to college to study environmental studies and communications and people are like, like have fun being poor. And you're like, it's brutal. Lit. Yeah. <laughs> lit. Like, thanks. You know? And I think that like a lot of people in, the field and also people who aren't even in the field who just care about these things like feel that way because there's like such an intense like grieving and pain when you lose like a natural environment that's so important to you or people like people are also dying yeah and for groups of people to just be like well what you're doing is not important or doesn't make a difference or the worst one is just you're not going to make any money. And I'm like, dude, like, okay, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's just that's such a challenge. And I think yeah, that, like, it's super it's demoralizing. A, and it's like a very real issue because then you have these scientists and these activists and these people, like, truly feeling this hopelessness. It reminds me of in high school, I was really um, in APUS. I don't know if I, I don't know if I remember what class it was, but I remember learning about uh, the Manhattan Project and Oppenheimer and the famous quote, and now I become death, the destroyer of worlds, like what he said. And it made me think about a generation of scientists and a generation of like intellectuals who are so terrified by the power of science and like the power of mankind to like create something so destructive and the fear that they must have felt and trying to think about like because this isn't something that I've thought I to be quite honest like I haven't really thought about like how scientists feel trying to communicate that that's not something that as a communicator or like in this field I've thought about I've always tried to think about like how individuals have yeah for sure have like like the non-scientists have thought about it so it's really eye-opening to me to even consider like there's a new generation of scientists that feel the way that like the the Oppenheimers and like the nuclear scientists felt like what's hard is that sense of like hopelessness and like that sense of how do you 
being torn between the the thing you love, the earth, and the the society that you're a part of, and you were kind of like implicitly like you were yeah. What's the word? Like you're a uh, an accomplice. I'm like legitimately tearing to up. this. This podcast is like getting to me. Ooh. That's what? a good question. You know, that's a really good question. Like, how do we and grapple with that? That's like yeah. such a deep philosophical quandary. What's hard is like, I don't feel like, you know, the people who have caused the most harm in this situation do feel that burden. Oh, oh, 100% not. And it's like, how do you, don't. how do you make them feel this stress and anxiety that we feel? And, and like... That's super weird because we know that, like, the people from Exxon and stuff believe in climate change. Right. So, like, do well, they just, are their anxieties relieved by thinking that they'll have enough money to, like, avoid mm-hmm. most of the costs in their family? Or, like, what is it? Hubris. Hubris. It's blinding hubris. Uh, it's interesting that you brought that up because recently J.P. Morgan Chase just denied a, bun- <laughs> uh, a couple Saw of... That? A couple of fossil fuel organizations uh, funding to drill in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Um, And it made me think, like, the only way that the people who are doing the most damage are going to actually feel nervous about it is when they don't have that money anymore. When they don't have that protective layer of cash shielding them. Exactly. Any thoughts for me? The oligarchy. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. What I feel like is especially stressful too is like there's so many, like particularly like marginalized groups, like black people in America have this to deal with, plus like police brutality and gun violence and like, and like like Latino people have the discrimination that they face every day plus this to deal with. And like, it's like, there's so much, like not everyone has the privilege of like focusing their lives on climate because like, you know, there's, there's like other life or death issues that are actually occurring also. And to have intersectionality, yeah, of course. But to have young people who are dealing with those issues on top of this issue, like, it's just, it's just so, it must be so overwhelming. Like, yeah. I'm overwhelmed. So, like a, yeah. Just a heavy, heavy weight. Like, Right. And in order, we just need to start seeing solutions to feel, and I, I mean, I just am, like, proud of our generation for, like, the activism we're seeing right now. But, like, those in the seats above us in positions of power need to like get their shit together like yesterday like a couple like 10 years ago really but like now it's yesterday well as i was just about to say like that's something i've kind of really been struggling with with this presidential like race oh this cycle um just because i feel like i mean i guess we were already kind of we're always at a critical point for climate change but it just like hurts to you know, I feel like no matter what candidate is elected, one of them doesn't want to do anything. And then the other one probably isn't going to get a lot done because of the other, like, you know, Congress and, you know, everyone trying to, like, fight back against them. So yeah. I'm just, 
it's really upsetting from an environmental I, standpoint. Like, I think sucks. just like fighting for any candidate, whoever it is that you choose, but any candidate that will do something like is better than fighting for nothing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's how I feel about a lot of this is like, okay, well maybe humanity will end. Maybe it'll all like go up in flames, but like I am absolutely going to be on the side that was like fighting for that not to happen. And that's like how I want the aliens to I, find you. Yeah. <laughs> when I feel super overwhelmed, I'm like, well, at least I'll be, on the right side of this you know like at least i'll be trying to fix it rather than being complicit or worse you know so at this point of the pod all i of got us, fucking all, emotional bro all i'm of like a, feeling mad sad right now it's the big sad i'm part sad two. as hell what the fuck um oh, at this shit. point of the pod let's all take a deep breath you too, <laughs> listener at home. I thought we were holding it. <laughs> um, we all, yeah, we, we hold our breaths until we pass out, and that's how the episode ends. <laughs> <laughs> we, I'm not able to stop the recording. It's just eight hours of us passed out. <laughs> Yay! Fun episode. I think that, like, something else to add is, like, feel stressed about climate. You should, but, like, don't stop doing the things that you love and that make you happy. And if that is, like, going outside or, like, fighting for climate change, if those are the things that you love and make you happy, then do those, too. But if those are, like, art or music or whatever the fuck, like, I don't know. But, like, don't stop doing those in the pursuit of, like, trying to... Save the world. Building off of that, <coughs> that happy medium, like that happy middle, doing all of that is super important. Yeah. But I think if you really want to feel like you have some agency and some ability to change it, I know it's really, it's super difficult for young kids to participate in the political process, but you'd be surprised like how much sway you have if you're, pushing on your parents and your teachers to vote for certain candidates because because at the end of the day like as young people what you have most and like the most power that you have is the ability to make the people who are taking care of you the people above you to care about you and hope that you can do that um for those of you listening that are older and voting age vote in the presidential primaries and the general election and vote in your local elections and vote for the House, and vote for the Senate, and... Go to protests and phone bank, and... phone. You can phone bank for all of the Democratic candidates, whichever one you want, from the comfort of your bed. You do not and have to get out of and bed. And if you don't have time to do those things, definitely vote, and then, like, talk to the people you love about also voting, and talk to the people that you love that have time to do those things. Mm-hmm. But back to the phone banking... I found out you can phone bank all of their websites. Yeah, you, in you your bed. You can phone bank from your bed at any time. That's crazy. Anywhere in the country. You you get just assigned phone numbers and you get a script and you can just lay in bed and read your script and talk to wow. people on the phone. That'd I feel like nice that could Saturday really be morning. used for evil, but... Yeah, probably, but, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, yin and yang. 
Andrew Yang has dropped out. Enter <laughs> Andrew Yin. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Um, he will demand $5,000 from every U.S. citizen. He has, done, he has done the math. You are fucked. <laughs> Thank you all for potting today, tonight. Are we done? No problem. I'm going to go cry on my bed now. Uh, thank you. I know, this is like, we should all, like, I'm have a get drink a or something. Oh. Yeah. You guys want to do some yoga? I actually just came from yoga. <laughs> I'm going to smoke nice. some weed and go to bed, I think, like, after that. <laughs> after, oh after dear. that. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dearie. Oh, dearie. Also, also, wait. Seek medical help. There are people who yes. literally have. Yes, like surgery. We should put this at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, remove your brain. No, but, like. There are, if you're like actually experiencing severe depression, anxiety, PTSD from anything, particularly climate related stuff, like there are people who are very highly trained to help you besides just like doing things you love, like seek medical help because it's awesome. Therapy is great. Everyone should do it. Yeah. Clap to that. Snaps to therapy. Clap to that. Thanks for listening to another episode of Pod for the Planet. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and a comment with your thoughts. That's the best way to help us get heard by more people. If you really enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends on social media and tag us at Pod for the Planet. See you next time.